We are one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. But today, we still have three big questions heading into this season. So I'm going to tell you all of that and more right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Clary, and I have taken my passion for baseball and as well as the Nationals into podcast form here with the Locked On Podcast Network. And guys, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And as I was saying, we are one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting down to West Palm Beach, and I can't wait. Baseball is in the air. It is close. We are so, so, so close to watching baseball again, as obviously we know this season there's not going to be too many expectations for the Nationals this year, but just because we're not expected to win the World Series, we're not expected to make the playoffs. Geez, we're not even expected to win 70 games, let alone 60 games, according to some sports books. But with that being said, there is baseball to be played. And when there is baseball to be played, there are questions that we will need some answers to. And that's what I'm doing today. We have three big questions heading into this season. It's not the biggest ones, but these ones still are important for the Nationals' future. And you're going to hear about that and understand why I say that before I tell you. But with that being said, we are going to get to question number one this season. And I think this is a question that I think a lot of people are overlooking. And they are just giving this person the job. But the question number one that I have heading into 2023 is who will take the third base job this season? And I'm not just talking about opening day. I'm talking about the whole duration of a season. Think of it this way. The Nationals still have a former top prospect with Carter Keboom who missed the entire season this past, this past 2022 year. He had Tommy John surgery, missed the entire year, and my full expectations are for him to be healthy this year and at least get a shot to make that opening day lineup. Will he? We're not too sure. But then again, are the Nationals going to call it quits on him? I don't know. I have, personally. I've kind of just given up on him. The door is 99% shut on Carter Kibu. But that 1%, will the Nationals be intrigued enough to get him that shot that he, some may say, deserves? Ultimately, that's one of the biggest questions that the Nationals have this year because you have guys like Ildemaro Vargas who played a solid third base last year for the Nationals, and also he was pretty productive at the plate. He's not some world beater. He's not going to be your third baseman for the future. But at the end of the day, they're going to play to win games. Now, I know I myself talk a lot about development. 
I want to see development from younger guys like a Jake Lou, someone who's ultra productive last year in AAA and AA. And again, he's been one of the more productive bats since the COVID pandemic. So with that being said, that is a question mark to be had going into the season. Obviously, J-Mare Candelario is one of our key signings this year, if you want to talk about it like that. Candelario, he's probably going to be the opening day third baseman. That's just what I assume for the money that they gave him. They gave him a couple million dollars. I'm going to assume that his aim is in pen for opening day, but that doesn't mean he's going to be there that long. You're going to see Carter Keyboom. You're going to see Ildemaro Vargas. You're going to see Carter Keyboom again, as well as Jake Alou. So all four of those guys have the potential to take that spot and run with it. It's just a matter of who will accumulate the opportunities and who will take those moments and put them in a good place. Because that's ultimately what it comes down to with this third base job. Because there's a lot of intrigue when it. When you think about it from the top up, there's intrigue because you have four guys who could be decent options over there. And then you have two guys who really could be a foundation for the future with that 1% chance that I give Carter Keyboom of being that. And also Jake Alou, who I think should be the one getting that job moving forward. But that's not the only question heading into this season. As I said, there are three, and that was just number one. And there are plenty of opportunities for that comes. Speaking of opportunities, there is one Nationals player that took his opportunity last year and ran with it. And that is why he is guaranteed to be in the opening day lineup. And that is Joey Manessis. But here's the question with Joey Manessis. Was someone who was under team control through 2029, over the hill at 30 years old, do you move? meaning trade Joey Manessis if he has a productive season just like he did last year. That is a huge question going into this year when you consider the value of Joey Manessis. Under team control through 2029, last year in the second half of baseball, one of the better offensive numbers across the sport if you take away Aaron Judge. That's how good Joey Manessis was this past season. So obviously the price tag on him is obviously sky high at this point for what he is. We're not going to get a top number one prospect for him. But if Joey Manessis is producing, if he is doing what he did this last season, there will be people calling at the deadline trying to get Joey Manessis to be a DH. Because obviously across the sport, DH is now in the NL. Obviously it's in the AL. So you have 30 teams right now that will need a DH. Not all 30 will need one, but trust me, DHs still get hurt. Just because you're not playing in the field, you can still get hurt. You can get banged up. Injuries happen all the time. It's part of the sport. And take away that, teams just want to make upgrades. And if Joey Manessis is raking at the plate at the rate he did last year, then this guy, he's going to have a pretty solid price tag on him. We're not going to get back a top 30 prospect in all of baseball. But you're not telling me that if Joey Manessis has a 900 OPS, he's getting on base at a high rate, he's hitting home runs, driving in runs, then yes, he will be traded, and ultimately he could have a solid return. So will he get traded if he is productive? 
100% in my mind. Because that team control factor of him, it's not going to cost the team whoever trades for him any sort of money. He's on a cheap rookie contract still. So heading into year two, Joey Manessis, if he is productive, you could be seeing him on another team, unfortunately. But that is not a bad thing. That could be a good thing. Because we're in the long run for this rebuild. We need prospects. We need guys to develop down in the minor leagues. Joey Manessis so far has been a success story for the Nationals organization. But it's also, you got to know when to pull the plug. And this may be one of those situations where you pull the plug and you trade Manessis if he is that productive heading into 2023. Because right now, the projections for Joey Manessis are a little high. Baseball reference has him at an 816 OPS projection heading into 2023. That's a well above average major league hitter. Well above average. Have him sitting at about 13 home runs, which I think he's going to do more if he's consistently getting at-bats, which I 100% project him to do. So we will see what ultimately happens with Joey Manessis, but that is a question mark to look for as far as the Nationals' development goes. And the third, not least, but the third and final one that I have, who will be the veteran to step up in 2023. And here are the four guys that I have in mind, and I'll wrap it up with who I think will take the biggest step up in 2023. You have Corey Dickerson, the free agent outfielder that the Nationals signed over from the St. Louis Cardinals. You got Dominic Smith, former New York Met, first baseman. You got Trevor Williams, another former New York Met, bullpen slash starter slash utility pitcher in general. And then Lane Thomas, your Nationals fourth outfielder, maybe starting right fielder, maybe left fielder. All of that will be figured out. But here is my answer. I think Lane Thomas will be the guy to step up as far as veterans. He was your 2022 MVP for the Nationals. That's what he was named as, as the local D.C. media did vote Lane Thomas as the most valuable player on that 2022 Nat squad. Now, that's not some wild accomplishment, but it also shouldn't go unnoticed because he was by far and away, if you take away Juan Soto and Josh Bell from the equation, our best hitter last year, our best hitter by far. And also, here's the thing with Lane Thomas in particular. He's gotten off to really slow starts in 2021 and as well as last year in 2022, but his second half numbers are elite. And that is something to where if Lane Thomas can hit the ground running, I think this is going to be someone who might not be in consideration for a fourth outfielder spot, but in consideration for a starting corner outfielder spot for the duration of this future. And this is just another highlight trade from Mike Rizzo from when he sent off John Lester at the deadline. John Lester gave everyone the middle finger and literally gave everyone the middle finger as he left the organization. And we got Lane Thomas back in return, and he has been nothing but good in that. So he plays a solid left field, solid right field, and even a solid center field if you stick him out there. And obviously, his bat has been a nice surprise, and the power that he displays from time to time is truly incredible. Because he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's got that speed, power, and hit tool. To where it's like, this guy is a little intriguing. So what can we see from him? Can he take that step up? 
I think we do see a step up in Lane Thomas's game because ultimately that's what we need. We need guys to take step ups. And I may present this question. Will Lane Thomas be a trade piece at the deadline? Because that's all that's a big question for this this season when it comes to veterans guys like those four I just named. If they have big seasons, they could be gone. But I don't think Lane Thomas is one of those. I don't think that he's going to be one of those guys who will be shipped off at the deadline because I think the potential that the Nationals see in him further outweighs in what we could get in return. He's still a young guy. He's under team control for a little while now. We got time with Lane Thomas. He could still develop and be a cornerstone for the franchise. Obviously, is that the is that the chance? Like, if we just stick it on the wall, is that what he's going to be? No. Who knows? But I'm going to take my chance, and I'm going to hold on to Lane Thomas because I think he's going to be that veteran to take a step up, and we're going to need some veteran leadership in this locker room. It's simple as that. But next, I want to get into a former Nationals executive, Jim Bowden, floating this idea around that, one, the MLB could be heading for an expansion, and two, with that expansion, would be a complete realignment from all the leagues, and it is a really wacky one that I want to get into before that. I'm going to tell you about my friends over at FanDuel. And guys, this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads and to who will score a touchdown. I know I've been checking out FanDuel, and I am looking at that A.J. Brown anytime touchdown prop. I'm looking at a Miles Sanders anytime touchdown prop. And as well, I'm looking at the Eagles money line. I think Jalen Hurts could potentially get it done. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And now we get into the major league realignment that Jim Bowden of The Athletic produced this past week. And honestly, I read this and I was kind of, it was jaw-dropping to say the least. Because if you think of it this way, everyone kind of understands that the MLB is due for an expansion. You see, like the NFL, they have 32 teams. They realigned all the divisions and it has worked out quite well for them. So teams like, uh, or cities rather, like Charlotte or uh, like Nashville, those are kind of the leading contenders to get a team. Obviously, Las Vegas is in that mix as well. But Major League Baseball has room to expand. And if they did expand, this is what the divisions slash conference slash leagues, whatever you want to call it, would look like. 
So he has gotten rid of the National League and the American League, and he has torn it all apart to make it an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference. And the Nationals right now, here's what the divisions would look like. The Eastern Conference, obviously where the Nationals would be, there's an East Division, a North Division, a Mid-Atlantic Division, and a Southeast Division. The East Division, you'd have the Red Sox, the Mets, the Yankees, and the Phillies. Oh, my God. Those four teams in one division. Good luck. The North Division, the Cincinnati Reds, the Cleveland Guardians, the Detroit Tigers, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Yikes. The Southeast Division, Atlanta Braves, Miami Marlins, the Nashville expansion team, that's just what he's saying, and the Tampa Bay Rays. And then the Mid-Atlantic Division. You have the Baltimore Orioles, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Washington Nationals, your Washington Nationals, and the Charlotte expansion team. Think about it this way. If Major League Baseball were to implement this, you see the trend. They are going with geographical locations. Jim Bowden mentioned in this. He thinks that it would up the money coming into baseball. He thinks it would make it more of a rivalry within divisions just because of the geographical location on maps, whatever it may be. Maybe that is right. Maybe it isn't. But the fact that this is even in consideration, because if Major League Baseball were to add two more teams, which at this point seems very, very likely, very likely, Now, do two teams just move out of their normal city to go to Nashville and to go to Charlotte or to go to Vegas? Maybe. But then again, I don't see that happening. I see a two-team expansion, and that would cause chaos throughout baseball because there would be a division realignment, and the Nationals would be with the Orioles, a new expansion team, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Washington Nationals of those teams by far and away, the biggest city in that division is Washington. We would be the winners of that division. And why do I say that? Typically, the bigger market will spend more money. The Washington Nationals of those, well, current three teams and a potential fourth team, we spend by far and away more than the Orioles and the Pirates. They are two of the lowest budgets in all of baseball. The Nationals, we're not spending too much either. But then again, if you were to align us with those teams in a division, this would be a slam dunk for Nationals fans. Now, I don't see this happening. I don't see this particular scenario working out. And why do I say that? Well, a lot has to go our way because we would be the clear winners. And I also think that they would have to switch up some of these. And I don't know if the American League would want to part ways with their tradition. I don't know if the National League would want to part ways with their tradition. So there's different things that would have to work out to make this possible to have an Eastern and a Western conference. But nonetheless, it is a wacky thing to think about that the Nationals could be the Mid-Atlantic division going against the Orioles, the Charlotte, whatever they could be, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Sign me up for that division. Because right now, you got the New York Mets, you got the Atlanta Braves, you got the Philadelphia Phillies, and you also got the Marlins. All four of those teams are on the rise. If we're going to get away from those four guys, sign me up any day of the week. Now, I will miss the NL East rivalry. That would be a sad thing to go. You know, we grew up in that division. But also, you're telling me we could win a little more games? 
sign me up once again. So I wanted to discuss that and the possibilities of it, because just thinking about it and what it would bring in the chaos of it, I think would be a good thing for baseball. Generate some more headlines, get some more eyeballs on baseball, and switch things up, make it more fun, make it more watchable. Because you and I, the problem is that MLB, they're not trying to they're not trying to tend their ways towards us. We already watch. We're already fans. But to get more eyeballs on it, getting in more cities would also be a good thing. Charlotte is a popping city. Nashville, another popping city. Las Vegas, they just got the Las Vegas Raiders. They got the Golden Knights as well as the NHL. And those two teams have skyrocketed. They have been a major hit success for that city. So seeing Vegas even involved in this would be a show. So yes, Major League Baseball should consider this. And as Nationals fans, seeing that division, sign me up. I am good with getting rid of the rivalries. Besides, the Nationals don't really have deep-rooted rivalries. We've only been around since 2005 in the NLEs. So there's not too many rivalries to go around for the Nationals. But I guess you could think of the Phillies and the Mets and the Braves, the teams that have been around, that have had an established rivalry in baseball. But I'm good with ripping that up. If you're telling me we're going to be in a division with the Orioles and the Pirates and as well as an expansion team, sign me up, Jim Bowden. You did an awesome job on that. And you are still working for the Washington Nationals as far as I'm concerned because that division, we're winning that thing every year as far as I know. So, yes, I'm all for the expansion. And I'm all for for this division realignment because let's have a little fun in baseball. So thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. Now give my guy Lindsey Crosby a listen from Locked On MLB Prospects because he goes into all the stars of baseball for tomorrow. And you can get that podcast wherever it's available because it is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And now I want to wrap up with talking about some player development staff. Now, the Nationals have started to put some money and to put some more principles into the foundation of how they build their in their system. Because if you, I've talked about it myself. The first round picks in the draft class as a whole in general over the last decade has not been good enough. Not only have you been trading away some of your top guys so you could win now in that 2010s run, but they also just weren't hitting on their first-round picks. Carter Keyboom, we've seen it. It's not been great. Mason Denneberg, go along the list. It has not been good enough since the Nationals took Lucas Giolito. And I think we have turned the table on the Nationals, kind of floundering out their top guys, not being able to develop some of these guys in particular who did have sky-high ceilings. So with that being said, the Nationals have put a big number on their player development staff and have taken a huge step up in analytics and what type of different numbers and equations to where you can actually narrow it down and dumb it down for some of these players who want to take their game to a next level. You see the Braves, the Dodgers, the Rays, all these great, great organizations that develop talent year in and year out in their systems are heavy 
on the analytics. And yes, some of those teams also have a little more money to spread around in the draft, and they do that successfully. But it's also about the development side of things. And I think the Nationals, this offseason, while yes, I complain about the not spending the money part, and it seemed to me that they're working on a $15 million budget. Well, yes, certainly seemed that way. I complain about the learners and them not selling the team because ultimately that is holding back this franchise. I complain about that. But one thing that I will give them all the kudos on is this developing in analytics, because you may not know this, but when you look at it from the outside in as to why do the teams like the Braves like the Rays, like the Dodgers, in particular the Dodgers, how do they keep on doing this with having lower draft picks? Well, they develop. And they when they I say develop, they put money into their analytics. They have analysts at all levels in the minor leagues that shows them the numbers. They have every single piece of equipment that you may need in the offseason. Like I can't get into the technology of this in 30 minutes because one, I'm no engineer. And two, I'm not a math guy, but I do know I am a messenger. And the messenger, what he has told me is that this will be a fast track to actually developing guys and getting to see guys like TJ White later picks in the draft develop to be that guy. That's what you're going to start seeing as you see with the Braves, the Rays, and the Dodgers, the three teams in baseball that develop better than anybody in my mind. So yes, this offseason may not have been filled with wins that teams like the Dodgers or the Braves or the Mets have had, but the Washington Nationals have taken that step up in their player development to help Dijon Watson and what he does as the head of developing players. And the Nationals have finally recognized that they had a hole in that department and they are filling it with the talent that I think will take us to that next level. So we won't have to worry about developing prospects any longer. So thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. Every day, I will be discussing everything and more on Friday with you guys. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by Lindsey Crosby, who, of course, is the prospect encyclopedia. And that pod is free and available wherever you get your podcast. You have a good day, and I will talk to you on Friday, one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting to West Palm Beach.